Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad Podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets to help you on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the fatherhood authority. Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to I Am Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell, and I am here at Arissa. Um, their diamond um, anniversary, 60 years in the business. And I've had a, an awesome couple of days just meeting incredible people from around the country um, doing this work for families. And so, you know, my space, you know, daddies is what I do. And so, whenever I show up in the space, my question is always, what about dad? Like, what are we doing with dads? And But I keep meeting these people that are doing just incredible work, um, such as my guest today, today um, Kanitra Jack. And she is out of, and she's Esquire. To, wait a minute, MBA and Esquire. Let me just make it clear because y'all can't see, a, see a, her, her car, but I was looking at it last night. She got credentials, y'all. And so um, we were having a brief conversation just yesterday, and I was like, man, I need to get you on my podcast because we need to just kind of talk about um, Louisiana, which is where she's from. How you doing, Kenitra? I am well. We're having a um, good time here in Savannah, learning a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to be here. Tell me a little bit about your bio. I don't know. A little bit about my bio that you don't know. Um, well, of course, I have to talk about my <laughs> my uh, my school. Okay. And, you know, I am a Jaguar issue all day. Okay. <laughs> has to go into every conversation. Okay. So, okay. got to talk about issue um, where I did my undergrad in mathematics, which always surprises, mm-hmm. and um, where I went to law school as well. Okay. Um, something else, I'm a, a mother of uh, two, mm-hmm. 11 and 12, 30 days away from being 13, she reminds me. Mm. And um, I've been married 17 years. Okay. Let's clap on that. great guy who has helped me do many of the things that I've been able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually came into this space in 2008, right? Okay. As a a child support worker. And as I remind everybody, I started this work because I was looking for a job. Okay. <laughs> let's be clear about that. Let's right? be clear about that. Okay. That uh, it is work. It's a way of life. It, it's a livelihood um, first to take care of the children that are most important to me. But mm-hmm. um, after coming into a space, I noticed that um, I was needed there. Mm-hmm. There was something I could do there to make a difference, to, to have a, um, conversations, to listen. Mm-hmm. And I stayed. <laughs> well, nothing happens by accident. Yes. And typically, I've asked people. I always ask people, "How did you end up where you are, by career path or by passion and calling?" Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how people answer that question. So I'm going to ask you that question. Would you choose between the two? Combination of both? What you thinking now? You know, I would. I'm. I'm. I'm going to have to rely on my Romans eight twenty eight. Right. Mm-hmm. All things. Work together for the good of those mm. who um, love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to have to say it's all of that. Okay. Right? It, it is um, working for the good, mm-hmm. doing what's right, and doing work that I love and care about. Mm-hmm. And as long as 
that's okay. I stay every day. Right? Okay. Okay. I keep coming to work because uh, I feel like I'm in. I don't know if it's the ultimate purpose. Okay. But in the purpose and walking mm-hmm. in that. And um, it's a good place to be right now. Yeah. Well, a lot of people will say, you know, my last guest I was talking about was talking about how people don't understand sometimes that their purpose is within their work. Yes. Like they believe that in order for me to have my purpose, I got to leave what I'm doing now and go do something else when they don't understand that sometimes your purpose is within what it is you're doing now. And it's more about perspective than it is, you know, what you're doing. Yes, absolutely. And so you guys don't know, she heads child support for the state of Louisiana. And so I often get phone calls from people from Baton Rouge and from New Orleans um, about fatherhood stuff and our conversation yesterday led me to like, all right, let's talk about fatherhood in Louisiana, but also want to talk about child support, Louisiana. And so when you look across the spectrum of what you know about child support and what you've been hearing at this conference, does Louisiana stand out or is Louisiana common based on what's happening in all other states as it relates to fatherhood? I mean, as it relates to child support. So I will say um, that being a Louisiana, I can never say Louisiana is common. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right? I'll, lose, I'll lose points can't for go that. Home. I can't go home if I say we're common. Um, we are always unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have a unique legal system. We have a unique we're parishes. We got unique food. So we're unique. That also goes for our child support program. Mm. Um, the child support program, of course, since its inception, in um, Louisiana has been a work in progress. Okay. Right. So we've had some things that we're proud of and some things that we're not so proud of. Um, a recent space that has become a passion of, of mine has been working with um, incarcerated mm. parents and, and, and working to make changes where we can to Do better by them. Okay. Because, you know, I always say that if you can't help, just don't hurt. Mm, Yes. Right? So if we could get to that space. But Louisiana was one of two states that considered incarceration, voluntary. um, Unemployment. Voluntary unemployment, um, which I always felt, even when I was a worker, that that's outside of reality. Mm. Right? Because it doesn't matter how you got there. The fact that you are there means that you can't pay child support, Mm -hmm. right? So um, we have been undergoing a journey to get to a point to where child support does not accumulate while parents are incarcerated. It took five years for us to have a statute in place and have something to, to stop that from happening. So we're finally in a it, we're finally where we have um, a suspension of child support that takes place if after someone is or will be incarcerated for 180 days, um, and that has been the start of a movement. Right mm-hmm. from there, we in 2020 we did a um, an assessment to determine how we can move toward family centered child support services and that assessment 
built a family centered child support uh, work group mm. of the the as we would say the old heads yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the newbies getting mm-hmm. together and hashing it out and figuring out yes there's this old way mm-hmm. that we work mm-hmm. and this is the new something new that we can do mm-hmm. and um so a part of my journey has been bringing us to family center child support mm-hmm. to finding ability to pay um taking that ability to pay and putting it into as many processes as I could. Mm-hmm. Our first one was license suspension. Um, the next one was civil contempt and, and making sure that that was the critical finding before those things took place. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to making sure the support actually got suspended. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, all that to say it, it's we're transitioning. Yeah, I think that you're in the same space that most child support agencies are. One of the things I continue to think about is that the turnover will turn so fast that we find ourselves in these places where we have to re-educate all over again. And at the same time, you have to re-educate these newbies that are coming in, that they come in with a different frame of thought about how they think about child support and how they think about family. Has there been any complexity for you in that space where you've really had to kind of shift frame of thought, particularly generational frame of thought, and how they think about family and how they think about particularly child support? I think so. Um, There has for myself and for how our staff um, and everyone else thinks about child support. But what led to that, if I could go to that was when I came into being director and figuring out how to do this, I happened to have access to all of the work of the previous directors. Mm. So I pulled it, some folders down and I realized that all of those processes that we were saying were wrong were deliberate. Mm. Right? They were intentional. Mm -hmm. So we have to be just as deliberate and intentional with making the change to address today's family. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't say that it addressed the family then, to be honest with (laughs) you, but it definitely doesn't address today's family. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you have to, um, when working with newbies and other people, the the key to making that change of thought Mm -hmm. that I had Mm -hmm. was realizing that it was deliberate. Right. And it was intentional. Right. For a specific purpose, mm-hmm. and the purpose is not there anymore. Right. Now, how do we get that messaging about the, that deliberate intention to fathers who also understood that some of that stuff was deliberate and that the people who are in place now are trying to make corrections to what was deliberate to be more family-centered, but it feels like to them it's... St- is still there, which means that the policies and stuff are still there, but it's changing because the people are changing, but don't have the patience to wait for it to change because they're in their momentary hurt. Exactly. Um, the biggest thing is you have to talk, mm. right? You have to encourage a dialogue and create that space where they can tell you all the things they hate about the program, mm. right? So we had a... Um, year before last, we had a panel of parents who came, and um, some of our staff were really offended. Mm. But the theme of the conference was perspectives. Okay. 
And that was a perspective that I believed our staff needed to hear mm-hmm. um, because you can't make amends with someone without having a conversation with them and finding out what it is that they need or what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, the issue is that's the perception. Mm-hmm. But you got to talk to them. Why? Well, you know, I always say that people, you know, you can't, you can't argue with someone who says I'm offended. No. Right? You don't get to say you're not offended. If I say I'm offended, that's enough. And then we go from there. And I think so often when we are or we feel like of like we're offended that we have to change the mindset of the person who says I'm offended, right? And exactly. that's not where you go from here. No, where it's you not. go from here is what is my role in your offense and how can I recognize that so that I never do it again because what I don't want to do is offend you. Right? Exactly. So what does that work look like for child support? Because as you kind of talk about that, one of the things I remember is when I came into this work, part of my beginnings in this work was within the New York State Child Support Enforcement Agency. And I remember sitting in those meetings. I cannot even tell you how much I remember the first day. And I was a manager. I ran the fatherhood program. So I was a part of the engine. And the first staff meeting, management staff meeting I sat in and I looked around the table and I'm like whoa this table doesn't look like me Mm -hmm. right and then I heard the intentionality right that what you just talked about which is the deliberate ways that child support was going after fathers and I'm like my god Mm -hmm. they don't have a chance you know against what I'm listening to like right now in this in this space. And so when you think about child support in that space and that really getting to fathers and to mothers too, right? Because I think sometimes we kind of, like mothers don't realize that you're just caught up just as, you just, you're caught up in the system just as much as they are. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the catch. When I, we talk about declining caseloads, I wish I could say that it was because nobody else needed our services, Mm. right? I wish I could say that no one was getting public assistance so they weren't getting as many referrals. That's some of it, Mm -hmm. the decline in public assistance. Um, But the issue is we we have not taken care of families in a way that other families can trust us, Mm -hmm. right? And... um, so what ends up happening is we end up with parents applying for our services on the worst days mm. of their life. Right. Right. Yeah. And they are um, coming at a, at a point where it's desperation, but not desperation to, that is conducive to building a relationship or building a family and maintaining that parents and partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not where they were. Mm-hmm. But once again, that's what we taught. Right. Yeah. That's what we taught. Um, so what we have to do is talk to, like I said, I keep saying talk to them because one of the outcomes that we've seen in last after making the changes that we have was an increase in voluntary payments. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I reached out to those offices and I asked, what are you doing 
that's encouraging parents to walk in payments or mm-hmm. mail in payments. And they say, well, we call people mm-hmm. and we talk to people. Right. And that's the only way you can rebuild trust. Mm-hmm. And from there, working at building our employment um, and training services. Mm-hmm. So we can help to remove some of those barriers mm-hmm. that that families face. And joining the Unite Us platform, Unite Us, Unite Louisiana, where we can address those unmet needs. Mm-hmm. So then when a dad comes in and says, well, how can I pay child support? I don't have a place to stay. Right. I can at least connect mm-hmm. with the services in the state that might be able to help. Mm -hmm. Because if I can't do that, then what's, you know, how can I expect them to be able to pay child support? Let's say we're people. Right. I can't tell you how many things I'm going to do before I pay my mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Before I pay my utility bill. So asking another person to do that is unrealistic. So we have to um, take that into account. But before you can even do that, you got to ask. And you got to have a level of relationship and transparency, right? And so for our dads, it is always, listen, it's not a beast sitting behind the desk that wants to eat your vitals, (laughs) right? No. It's a system that functions based on theories and philosophies and culture and frames of thought and politics and economics and all these things play into the design of this system. Exactly. And now for you, it is to understand the system and take your emotion away from the system because there is nothing emotional in the X's and O's of computer programming. It is right. Well, it's not, but it can be disrespectful. Absolutely. It can be um, disheartening, Mm -hmm. and it can be discouraging, Mm -hmm. uh, demotivating, Mm -hmm. just from the systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I can't imagine what it's like to get a letter saying, you better pay every other day. Mm. I mean, let's just think about it. It's a computer-generated letter. Mm -hmm. There's no person doing that. It's just X's and O's, and those things can hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Those things can re-traumatize. Mm-hmm. Those things can, can do that. So I think, yes, yeah, systems um, can't, don't have emotions, mm-hmm. but they can trigger them. Absolutely. But that's why I say that it's important to understand the system. Exactly. It's not going to take away what you're talking about. But if you understand it, then you're not mad at the person who's on the other side of the line trying to help exactly. you. Exactly. And you have to seek um, opportunities to provide feedback to the system. Mm, Okay. So when you, I remember when I was a worker way back when and a father came in and talked to me and we're going through his cases and stuff like that. And I realized I'm telling him something that his last three caseworkers told him. Mm -hmm. He knows this stuff better than me. Mm -hmm. Right. Because he's been involved in this system long and he's not here for that. Mm-hmm. Let's find out why he's really here, mm-hmm. because he already knows how this stuff works. Like I told him, I said, "Well, you've been here longer than you've been around here longer <laughs> than me, so mm-hmm. you tell me what it is that you mm-hmm. <laughs> you need." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is where we um, miss the mark: is people don't give us feedback. 
Right. Right. And no one ever says um, that the language in this notice was hurtful. Therein lies the, the work. Exactly. Right? Because that piece of work is about being able to say, how does this make you feel? Mm-hmm. Right? And no one always. So we have a, a progressive model within Fathers Incorporated that says that if I can change the way a man thinks, no, if I can change the way a man feels, I can change the way a man thinks. If I can change the way a man thinks, I can change what he does. The challenge is no one asks the question how you feel. Mm -hmm. And they rarely ask the question what you think. Mm -hmm. It's always a response to what you do. Yep. Right? (laughs) It's a response to what you do. And the deeper, deeper work, I always use this analogy as an iceberg. To get the true girth of an iceberg, you have to go deep. deep under the water to find out how big it is and most people don't have the ability to go deep underwater to determine how big a problem is they only want to deal with the easiest thing which is that to which is above the water that they can see and that's what you do right and they respond to what you do and so when you're working with fathers and i want to get to the fatherhood piece in louisiana because i'm trying to make this connection between Mm -hmm. the child support space and then the practitioner space and then the fathers themselves because part of the issues that we find so there's all these narratives with fathers right that we have to elevate as well with respect i was talking to a young lady and her question she goes i have a question for you she goes why do fathers um, just want to disconnect from their children. And I said, what gave you that impression, impression that fathers want to disconnect from your children? I said, fathers rarely want to disconnect from their children. They may be running from the situation, but they don't run from their children. They could, and that situation can be the, relation, the dysfunctional relationship with mom, the dysfunctional relationship with her family, the dysfunctional relationship with his own family, mm-hmm. early childhood trauma. It could be a whole bunch of things that they flee for, but it is never because they don't want to be with their child. Even if they try to convince themselves that it's not mine, it is still a mechanism to disconnect from this situation. I said, so when we're talking about, when we're talking about fathers, it's important that I connect what these fathers are dealing with on the ground to child support specifically, but all systems, whether it's education, health disparities, housing, IRS, all of those systems over there. And then the policymakers and the practitioners that are supposed to serve as the bridge between that emotion and the reality of all these things over here. And so when I was talking to you the other day, we were talking about fatherhood programs in Louisiana and the fact that those types of programs are far and few in between. Mm-hmm. Like with most states, even the federally funded um, fire grants that are across the country is a great start, but we still haven't really laced ourselves across the country mm-hmm. where you have comprehensive, sustainable evidence-based, mission-driven, 
value-added programs that understand the importance of working with fathers. And so you have your child support agency that's trying to service that, but you got this gap between what you're trying to do and what people remember you as or think of you as that serves as a problem. Um, Talk to me a little bit about Louisiana and fatherhood. So um, when it comes to fatherhood, we don't have very many, many fatherhood programs that are affiliated with the programs. Mm-hmm. There are some um, smaller community organizations that we may be able to provide some services. Um, for example, in Baton Rouge, I'll shout out to LeVar and his team from Fathers on a Mission. They've given us a place where our policy manager, our program integration, and those people can go and interact and take part in that space and deal with fathers. But the the issue there is funding, right? Because yes. you even when I even if I could find a really good program, in order to provide the um, documentation and the, to support the fact that it's that I can find funding, mm-hmm. it's got to be scalable. I have to be able to duplicate it, mm-hmm. you know, and replicate those things that they're doing. And um, that's that part is not there. Mm-hmm. Like it's not necessary that or it's not there that we can take a program and pick it up and redo it in another area right. or redo it in another area. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, that's what we did with our employment program. Okay. We had a really good program in Shreveport, um, area that was doing it was called good support mm-hmm. and good support was through goodwill so they provided all the goodwill services um and one being training to help them get a job well after that program we funded it got it um up and running created a a, a voluntary component of it so that it wasn't all compulsory right mm-hmm. we're just going to tell you you have to participate and then we took that model and then we replicated it through eight other parishes okay right with the same base saying hey community-based organization here's what we're doing here can you do this and replicate it and and duplicate it in all of those different areas Mm -hmm. and we're able to fund it Mm -hmm. using the same mechanism Mm -hmm. so um i think when it comes to fatherhood problems that's what I'd like to do is be able mm-hmm. to take that same. I'm not for reinvent the wheel. Right. Mm-hmm. If you have a model that's working, mm-hmm. then we take it, we duplicate it, mm-hmm. we replicate it, and we go throughout mm-hmm. the state with that same model. Well, the issue is as we kind of look at scalability, mm-hmm. the equally important part of that is sustainability. Yes. Right. It is ensuring one of the things I used to say to folks after the pandemic and my goal for Fathers Incorporated is to always be available when people need you the most. And so during the pandemic wasn't a time for my organization to fail. It was a time for my organization to scale. Yes. Right. And scale in a way that it made us sustainable so that we would always be available for people when they needed us most. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about fatherhood programs, it is my frame of thought that believes the issue is not that we don't have enough fatherhood programs. It is that we don't have enough fatherhood mission organizations whose primary mission is fatherhood. 
not programs because programs are fleeing. They, they, they move yeah. with funding. They move with the champion. They move with the change in priority. They move with the change in environment. They exactly. kind of move. But focus fatherhood organizations don't shift. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of those across the country. I probably can count them on both of my hands, mm-hmm. if not one of my hands across the country. So how we are able to figure out how to integrate those organizations into the fabric of social work, right, is going to be extremely difficult for us to also um, integrate this whole notion of the importance of fatherhood in that exactly. space, right? I, I totally agree. Um and then once we do that, then we can um, remove us and get us out of our silos, right? right? And be able to figure out how we can work together. Um, the Child Support Program is fortunate enough to be the only, well, one of, if not the only, program that has access to both parents. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Right. We That's have access to both. Yeah, it is. Yes. That's, so that it, in that lies opportunity. Yes. Yeah. opportunity to lift the family mm-hmm. together to raise the child mm-hmm. right and that's that that is the mission but as you said it has to be mission mm-hmm. driven um they have to focus on fathers because that's not my work right you should be focusing on what you're focusing on exactly and somebody else should be focusing that's why this so there's a lot of conversations one of even being here you know, I said to, I called a couple of my staff members yesterday and I was like, man, I was like, I got to start bringing more of my staff with me to these conferences. You can't do it all by yourself. Because <laughs> I can't be everywhere. And the conversations are so outside of the box of what my staff understands this work is in their silo, right? Because their heads down, toes down, working with fathers and trying to deal with their current situation. But you don't have a full understanding of what this entire fatherhood and child support space is about. So I was calling, I called my wife uh, the other night and I said, I was in this workshop and they were talking about paternity and modern families. And when I saw it on the thing, I was like, oh, I want to go. Paternity is a big issue. You know, I need to go and like hear about paternity and see what they're talking about. So I walk in the room and they're talking about acknowledgement forms. And I'm like, okay, I know this stuff. And all of a sudden it kind of shifted and went into this other space where the conversation was more or less about the paternity side of the conversation. But the modern family side and what does new modern families look like and how does child support morph to kind of understand how their policies in place to identify the paternal side of whether or not um, someone is a father outside of sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, how else does that happen? And I'm listening and they're going through all and going through all of these things. And I'm like, wow, is this what we're talking about right now? I get it. But there's so many other bigger issues and I'm saying to my myself to my staff like you guys have to understand again um, that child support in and of itself is mission to do one thing that is great that they're thinking about fatherhood is great that they're thinking family focus is great that they're thinking about relationship culture and all those things but at the end of the day 
in their own states, they are still driven by collection. Their money still comes from the federal government based on performance measures, based on collection. Now, we're all trying to figure out um, how are we a more, um, what's the word I want to use, um, empathetic mm-hmm. business, right? Because we do know that you get more you, you get more people with sugar and honey than you do with other As things. I learned. <laughs> right. As we learned. Right. And so when an individual makes the decision that I'm not doing that, mm-hmm. that I don't care what you do to them. If they've locked in and they're not doing that, they'll do anything to not do that. And so that if you're not connecting for our programs, our mode is always... The best way to get them motivated to do what we expect them to do is keep them intimately connected to their child. Mm -hmm. Meaning all language has to be around, you're not doing this for me. And I'm not doing this for you. Exactly. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing for you is because I'm concerned about the child. Exactly. And the reason you're doing what you're supposed to be doing is not because I need data points. It's because you're trying to better yourself for your child. And as long as you can keep them centered around that, they're more apt to comply with policies and procedures. And, and I totally agree with that. I think um, what's funny is we um, had a, a, another summit, mm-hmm. and one of the speakers said that there's a certain population of people who have the strongest BS um, <laughs> detector known to man. Mm-hmm. So um, I would caution us from approaching fathers and dads from anything from the space, except the space that we're in. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I don't want us to come off as disingenuous. Mm. Um, Or as my dad would say, a big word for lie. Mm. (laughs) Right? Right, 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 I don't. So I think it's important for them to understand that, yeah, our primary mode is collections. Mm-hmm. My primary mission is to establish um, and establish and enforce child support. Mm-hmm. That's not changed. Right. That has not gone away. It ain't going away. It's not going away. Right. Um, so I don't want to be, I don't want to mislead right. and have anyone think that that mission has changed. Mm-hmm. However, um, what has changed is the way that we do that. And the way that we choose to do that is by helping to improve your condition mm-hmm. and helping to remove some barriers. And when those barriers are too great to help the other parent, you know, with, with barriers, because our employment program includes custodial parents. Okay. Because sometimes the barriers for the other parent is going to take a little longer. Mm-hmm. That doesn't take away the needs of the child. Mm-hmm. So we still have the duty to help try and get the child what they need. So while we're helping one parent get where they need to be, let's help the other parent get what they need. Right. And um, do what we can to help. Right. What keeps you up at night? What's that thing that you like you want to fix and you just need to like be dealt with that you just can't figure it out yet? I think the thing that I can't figure out is the um, the buy-in. Mm. 
right? I am um, always concerned that there will always be a population of worker, population of um, people in the state who still have the punitive way of thinking. And the thing that keeps me up at night is that we hurt someone and they're following policy. Mm, right. So it's figuring out how, how do we get there to where I'm confident to saying that we've done our best to help the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I left my, let myself off the hook because I say you didn't create all this stuff. <laughs> why, <laughs> why, 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 why? It's been around much longer than you. You're not going to fix it that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but just getting everyone to a space to where they at least understand that. I'm not saying that we're just going to be easy on everybody and nobody has to pay. There is a population that you will have to um, use punitive measures for. Absolutely. It exists. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. But if I could get to a point where everybody's willing to ask the questions Mm -hmm. and take the steps and engage people Mm -hmm. before they make the determination that that's that person, Mm -hmm. um, that's what keeps me up at night. You know know what I think the shift is? The shift is we have to have more conversations about the why than the what. Exactly. I think we have way too many conversations about the what. Exactly. Right? And we need to start bringing, I've been using this word um, lately, and I'm going to continue to use it because I believe that's what has to happen in this space of child support and other spaces as well. Got to start humanizing this stuff. Oh, yeah. I think it's important that the children's names should be on as many things as we can get out. Right. Right, just right. <laughs> I mean, just the right. the simple thing of looking at right. things and saying, "Why isn't child's name on here?" Like you're paying us support for Johnny and Jane, absolutely, as opposed to case number eight two three five seven eight. You know, mm-hmm. that way, and mm-hmm. so that um, it puts that humanity back into it and gives that you know that part of the um, equation back to remember mm-hmm. these are people and. Um, when I get emails and there's a case number, I'm like, well, Mr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jones or, mm-hmm. you know, and using people's names and just those things to humanize people. Mm-hmm. Many of us and many folks that I've spoken to in this space around child support um, has this one story of this one family that like impacted them in a way that most families don't impact them. Right. It's someone who comes across your path and they're different. Like, this case is different. Like, what is that case for you? Okay. Um, I'll make you laugh. This guy's name, uh, we called him Mr. Tall Teeth. Tall Tales. Okay. Mr. Tall Tales. (laughs) And he had a story. He had just gotten out of, he's probably the reason why I picked up incarcerated cases and ran with it. He had a story for everything right now. Um, One day he comes to the office and he had gotten a job. He's 26 years old, his first job at Popeye's. I had never seen anybody that proud mm. of himself. And me, that, that was the first time of me seeing that, that he was proud of himself. Mm-hmm. And he kept it. Mm. And he worked with it. And it was just the simple fact that just seeing someone do something that, 
they were so proud of, you know, that is what told me that we might be able to make a difference in this space. Mm-hmm. We might be able to have a, 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 a an impact. Right. The greatest thing was, yeah, I told him he had to go get a job and just keep some of these blank lines from being next uh, to your name. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, just keep some of these zeros. I, mm-hmm. I need to see something. Mm-hmm. And um, But I gave him the space and the opportunity to do that. And I gave him the chance to tell me all them stories. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You're probably the only one those, that was listening to him. Yeah, having all those conversations. Um, mm-hmm. And just to see that he he did it, just that that accomplishment. I'm sure you've seen it mm-hmm. in your space. Yeah, 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 yeah. That they are just, he's just so proud of himself. Yeah, mine is, happens frequently in my space now that we're having all of these graduations with these dads. And when we first started doing these graduations, we decided that we were going to give them caps and gowns. Yes. Right? And so, because my whole notion is that everybody needs to be celebrated and everybody needs to be inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, and superheroes need to be, um, superheroes need aspiration. And uh, my, my comment to them, and I say this at every graduation, you know, there's a reason that Spider-Man is called Amazing. Because there's some mornings that Spider-Man gets up and he doesn't feel so amazing. And you have to tell him he's amazing and and that you appreciate what he does. You know, there's a reason that, you know, the Hulk is incredible. Because there's some mornings the Hulk gets up and he doesn't feel so incredible. And so you have to tell him he's he's incredible. It's no different from you guys. Like, yeah, we expect certain things from you. We want certain things Mm -hmm. from you. But that doesn't give us the right to not acknowledge you for doing the things that we expect of you and celebrating you for doing those things. And our graduation serves as that slow down moment for their families to help them understand that part of your job is to continue to inspire him to be great, right? Because a lot of times for guys, we move back and separate when we don't feel like we're either needed or wanted, exactly. right? We move away. And those are the important things that we need to do. How can people help you? Because that's one of the things that practitioners are always asking. I was saying the other day that as apprehensive as child support is to reaching out to not-for-profit agencies who are looking to do this work, agencies are just as apprehensive with reaching into child support. And oftentimes their comment to me is, I don't know how. I don't know how to get involved with child support. What does that process look like in Louisiana, and and how would you encourage it? So how I would encourage it, first and foremost, is ask. Reach out. If you go to our website down at the bottom, there's an email address that's um, DCFS help you Mm. or something Something like that. that. Um, Reach out, and they'll, they'll get it to us. Let us know what kind of service you can provide to the families that we serve. And they'll they'll get it to the right person. Um, I'm easy to find. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm real easy to find. Why? Because parents find me all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they um, so it, at any moment if you if you send it to DCFS and say, "Hey, Miss Kenitra said to reach out to her um, about fatherhood," um, we will because there could be programs out there that I don't know about. Programs that I could model and 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 you know and, and use and and 
fund, hopefully, and if not, then I might be able to find a partner. There's also neighboring organizations exactly. that may not live in your Louisiana, but we sitting right there in Georgia. Exactly. That can come on over come, and help you and with some of this stuff. And we have other programs. Like, for example, my my counterpart at TANF. Okay. The, the, the Fathers on the Missions is actually a TANF program. Okay. okay. Right? It's not a child support program, okay. but we work with them. Okay. Right? So, yeah, we can we can figure it out, but we have to know that you're out there. I was going to let you go, but Uh-oh. you just triggered me. Uh-oh. In a go. <laughs> you just triggered me. So part of some of our work right now mm-hmm. with the federal government is to figure out how to connect TANF services mm-hmm. to fathers. And I've struggled with this. And let me explain to you why I'm struggling with it. And it's only because I'm trying to understand not so much what they want to do, because I get that. They're trying to figure out how can um, TANF services serve fathers in a way that that can impact the well-being of children. I get that. But I'm trying to understand the missions, right? And so I understand the mission of child support. I get that. With TANF, it is, okay, it's a particular population that we're working with. Um, And primarily that population are individuals that happen to be on the TANF rolls or within the um, poverty guidelines of what it means to be TANF. But what we also know is that fathers, for the most part, are not in those roles. And then the question is, how can we work with fathers through TANF attached to child support to really have an impact on families? Like we keep having these conversations and we're all. And so when you just said you have a relationship, I was like, to be honest with you, we've been looking for you. Like we've been trying to figure out who's working together, who's making this happen, and what does that look like. Share with me a little bit how you guys are functioning in that space. So how we're functioning, um, first of all, let me say I'm not a TANF expert. Okay. That's, all right, that's fine. so let me, let me give my, so if I say something. I'll, I'll, me neither. Everybody's going to have to give me some grace. <laughs> right. Right, I can tell you what's happening. I can't tell you that's the all I know. and all the stuff <laughs> of how it is. Um, I can tell you that Fathers on a Mission has um, funding through TANF. Okay. Um, with my TANF counterpart who serves as the director, and they work to promote family stability. Okay. And one way to promote family stability is fatherhood. Right. Okay, so that is, um, from what I understand, they're a part of their mission. Um, with that, when the fatherhood program has functions and they do their curriculum, we can participate okay. or we'll share um, and be in-house to provide information to the parents and things like that who take part. But it's not, like I said, it's not a child support funded program. Right. Their contract is actually with the TANF program. And also let's separate and divide out the FITAP KCSP cash assistance okay. with the larger TANF mission. Okay, got you. So okay. we have to remove the, don't limit it to just the thought of, um, thought of cash assistance. Okay. 
and and what we would call welfare. Okay. There are other there's a larger TANF umbrella okay. that can allow other programs to um, fit okay. and for them to fund. So um, if you, I, w- I would advise you to look at You said Fathers in Transition? Fathers on a Mission. Fathers on a Mission. And I think it's LeVar Robinson. Probably know who he is. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, thank you. We're going to be reaching back out to you with respect to this. Yes. Um, and Louisiana is probably an anomaly in this space <clears throat> because most TANF funds are spent on child welfare, not on yes. fatherhood programs. We do that too. Right. And so I'm trying to find these programs that have figured out that some of this money can go to fatherhood programs and understand a little bit what made them think that way, and then how is this working out for you so that we can begin to start sharing this across the board, that this is another way for you to strengthen families by using some of your funds within your TANF allocations to actually fund fatherhood exactly. programs. Exactly. Right? So that's why when you said, I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah. I gotta. And there are um, other things. If you go, the OCSC site has some information about um, re- requesting um, to invest in center funds or um, requesting um, permission to use incentive funds Mm -hmm. um, if you're able to tie those to certain performance measures and things like that. So if if we're able to show that um, it would lead to uh, improvement in child support performance, mm-hmm. then we can ask the feds whether or not we can participate in that. The issue with why I haven't been able to do that is because I can't say what your program does. Okay. Right? Okay. I need your pro. I need you to tell me what your program does, yeah. and I can say how that will help me gotcha. improve. But you ha- that 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 takes a partnership to be able to to do that part and say. Um, how it does, how it'll work. Now, of course, that goes, the issue there is sustainability because mm-hmm. you will have to continually ask for permission to do so. Mm-hmm. But um, I wouldn't have a problem with asking. And eventually, I'm hopeful that I won't have to ask and one day it'll be there in our federal regulations. Right, and right. I'll be able to just do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would say if you're able to to work with a state or even go to the OCSC site and see, what does it take for a state to request permission from the feds to fund? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And maybe if I prepare these things for my state, then maybe that makes it easier. Mm -hmm. Because at least you're coming to the state from a position of, I know you need to show that this is going to le- improve your program mm-hmm. in order for me to fund it. Um, and I know your child support, so I know your mission, but here's how I can help. Right. Kenitra, thank you so much. You're incredible. You're I'm glad I read it to you. I'm glad I met you. And we're connected at the hips now, so I'm coming to Uh-oh. Louisiana. We're going to do some stuff in Louisiana. But thank you for that last piece because it's been something I've been we've been struggling with trying to figure it out. We know that there's some couple of programs around the country that have figured out how to um, marry child support TANF and child child support TANF and fatherhood. Um, but they're far and few in between. And so mm-hmm. 
I did not know about Louisiana. Now I know, and they're close for me to get to, so I can go down there and see what that looks like. You can, you can probably reach out to um, Lavar over there, and he can. I am. I'm find him. Oh, he, the young he, folks say, "Google me." He's gonna Google him. You can Google him. But it's, it's he's got a great organization down there. He's doing great work, and um, he was fortunate to come to. He was one of the ones who came to our actually. He put together the panel of, of parents to come to our conference to share some of those perspectives. Mm-hmm. So um, he has been willing to share a space with us to be able to give us that insight. That well, we you need. guys also got to think about with the next round of fire grants out of HHS. He should begin to start thinking about now his capacity to be able to comp- apply for a federal mm-hmm. grant to do that work. Exactly. And the thing about those grants are um, it's great where your capacity is now. You will need capacity to apply for it. Absolutely. Applying for a grant is, is, is work. To be honest That's me, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's work. But mm-hmm. you get the opportunity to expand or plan how you would Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Scale mm-hmm. right. to use those funds and to meet the need that um, is that the, the meet the goal of the grant right. and being able to do that work. So um, it it takes a lot to apply, but if you you want to dream, yes, and if you want to have that vision, and you want to have scalable impact, then I would say. Go through the process of at least applying for the grant because mm-hmm. you have the you will have thought it through. Right, absolutely. Okay, let's make this stuff happen. Kanicha, thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate you, and I appreciate each and every one of you who listen to I Am Dad podcast. Um, this is my life at Arissa. Um, these individuals, I'm so glad I came, and I'm gonna be doing more of this and staying connected and going to visit some of these programs. And I got several other people that I'm thinking about um, interviewing, but today was a long day. My head, when I absorb oh, so much information, I gotta go. Lit. I gotta. <laughs> that's what I got right now because you guys have like blown me away. So I gotta go and process all of this information. But thank you for joining. I am that podcast. Make sure you go to our website at iamdadpodcast.com. Um, and watch all of these shows and make sure you leave your comments and make sure you send me more interview ideas and subject matters that I have not touched, which is not very many, but you can send them to me anyhow. And make sure that you join us again next Sunday at 8 a.m. right here where you are today um, at IamDadPodcast.com. Take care. Have a blessed week. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. You've been listening to I Am Dad Podcast. We hope that you have been informed, encouraged you to think, or even inspired your heart for the love of dads. The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IamDadPodcast.com. That's IamDadPodcast.com. Until next time. I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things because of this reminder. I will always understand that I am dad, period. <laughs>